Shepherding Chaos, the Retail 247 podcast. Embracing change in the world of retail tech. Hello and welcome to another episode of Shepherding Chaos. I'm Martin Schofield, CEO of Retail 247, and today I'm joined by Heather Wood, uh, who's the Chief Financial Officer of iconic British fashion brand LK Bennett. Hello. Hello. So, um, how is LK Bennett doing in a post-pandemic world? Um, we're actually having quite a good time at the moment. Um, we obviously came out of administration, or the company was created out of administration of the brand four years ago. Um, obviously, immediately, or within a year, rolled into COVID, which yeah. was a fun time for all, of course, in retail. Um, we managed to come through that through the process of being really supported by our investors, our suppliers, our landlords. Um, we did have to go through a CVA process, which was a shame. But since then, we've had three years of uh, both sales and profit growth. Excellent. We're about to publish our previous year's accounts, which are we're, we're really, really happy with. Um, this year, the beginning of this year, the weather has not helped, which I know we're not supposed to it's, say as retailers. It's a fairly traditional thing. Yeah. But it is, sadly, as we all know. Thankfully now, we have seen the, the tides turn. Um, yeah, and now we're just looking forward to the future. We've been spending the last few years pulling the brand into the 21st century, I would say, both in terms of product, systems, uh, websites, and now we're really looking forward to the future. Great, and you mentioned websites. So obviously as part of your remit there, you've now picked up the, the magnificent area of information technology. How Indeed. was that for you? Was it thrust upon you? Uh, <laughs> no, it was um, It was a moment where post-administration, um, post obviously there was some new, new people involved. Um, a lot of our directors came up through the brand. Um, I myself worked there previously as financial controller, came back to help um, as, the as the old company went to administration, was asked to stay, which I was really happy about. Our global merchant wholesale director was previously our, our head of merchandising. Same for our product director was our head of ready-to-wear. She's now global product director. So um, while we've been there, people have taken on more and more of different roles. And uh, from my perspective, I started off as finance director and within six months was doing IT, stock control and logistics. Very different, but really fun. Excellent. Um, um, what have you? What have been your IT priorities over the last twelve months? What's What's LKB been up to? Well, when we when I first took on IT, um, one of the major issues that we had was the main stock management system that we have, Island Pacific, um, hadn't been updated in any way for about. 11 years, 10, 11 years. And if you can imagine, if you had the same original iPhone and never pressed yes to yeah. an update or improved your hardware and then go, oh, it doesn't work very well. No, well, it won't, will it? It won't. So our main priority was to decide whether or not upgrading Island Pacific was the right way to go or to change our system. We decided that actually that um, there's nothing wrong with the system, but as I said, it hadn't been updated. So we decided that was the way to go. Unfortunately, COVID and the couple of years that followed that did put paid to any improvement plans. Um, but in January this year, we did finish the huge upgrade, took about a year to upgrade the system. And it's, to, it's really a re-implementation, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is. And it's really a, it is quite a brand new system. You know, there's nothing about yeah. it really that looks particularly similar to before. Um, but it's cheaper than buying a new system. So, um, and now we've, you know, that's in now. We've migrated the back of the website as well to read from the same area. So from a stock perspective, um, obviously that's a lot, that's a lot easier to manage because everything's looking at the same place. Yeah, cool. So technology can be a big spend, as you already alluded to. How do you, how do you justify an IT project? I think was a conversation piece we're going to talk about. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's the obvious, as a, as a terrible finance person who everybody loves, 
Um, you know, there is the obvious, what's the ROI of doing this? But yeah. the ROI, I think people can get a very narrow view of, which, you know, as it does it improve sales or conversion? Or I've justified many projects by it improved sales. And yeah, that's, that's, that's too sales. much of a measure. It will, yeah. it will fix margin by a percent, will yeah. it though? Um, but I think the reality of, of IT is often that, you know, you don't necessarily see that increase in sales. And it's more about um, saving people time and energy and the manual work that you do versus actually this should be run by a system. Uh, a really basic piece would be the fact that we put in last year in finance, not particularly exciting, but uh, an automated invoice system. Okay. So people email in their invoices, it scans it all, it does all of that. You just go in, double check the coding and send it, saves paperwork, saves time and energy and, and people can do all of that online. That doesn't actually add anything to sales, but it saves a world of, of errors that people go from manually typing things in. The sheer boredom, as you can imagine, of typing in hundreds of invoices a week. Um, that's So we kept better staff because they're not bored out of their mind. Um, they've got time to spend on more interesting things, which again reduces other people's workload to then give benefit on other areas. Yeah, as you say, there are, there are those sort of projects that are obvious to do. Mm. But as, as the finance person, I'm sure you're sort of constantly thinking, how do I justify it? How do I get the return investment on this one? What? I've always found that a problem. You know, in retail, there's always that gut feel component of any project. I think that's definitely the case. I think sometimes, in my opinion, being a finance person, there's a little bit too much relied on gut feel. And maybe sometimes we should have a bit more structure behind those things. Um, but then that's what I'm supposed to do, isn't it? That's my job. Um, but I definitely think that some some people in the world of finance can, can specifically say, if it doesn't make money, we're not going to do it. And I think that is an error because then you end up with systems that haven't been increased and been updated for 11 years. Yeah. Or for example, um, our e-commerce uh, payment platform. A couple of years ago, we switched from from a very old one to, to Adyen and conversion on checkout it doubled overnight. Cool. That's a 50% increase. But we didn't know it was going to be that good, to be honest with you. We assumed it would be better. Yeah, we that knew, we knew it would nice, be better. Yeah. But that, yeah. was, that was impressive. Literally overnight, it went up by 50%. And those aren't exciting projects. That's not a gut feel. That's just a simple fact yeah, that yeah. people are too lazy to type in their numbers now and everyone wants to do Apple Pay or Google Pay or yeah. some other version. You've finished the IP upgrade. Um, yep. Uh, successful. What, what have been the major benefits of that one? Uh the major benefits, so that, that we split it into two, two halves. The first was just basically upgrading what we have. So yeah. basically taking the old, turning it into the new. Um, the main thing from, from what I have uh, experienced is the, uh, the analytics piece. So the old system was uh, very much, it was, if you can imagine, like, almost like it looked like an Excel spreadsheet. The formulas, you had to write specific formulas to be able to get any information out. And then to be able to get information, say, you wanting looking at net sales, but you want it by store by day, you have to drill, if you can imagine, all the way down. And then if you want to go to look at another store, you'd have to come all the way back out and go all the way down again. Yeah. So the time and energy just to pull information out of a system was, was quite frankly ridiculous. The analytics tool we have now is more pivot table based. So you can set it up and then it'll just refresh on a daily basis. It's a lot quicker and it's a lot right. slicker. Um, definitely easier for the finance team to use. I think one of the things that we have not yet achieved on it, being completely upfront, is... As I said, we've upgraded the what was to now. So everyone knows what they could do then and how they do it now. What we haven't got around to doing yet is uh, utilising the, the wealth of the system. So learning what we don't know. That's next yeah, on the and, list. and the problem I've always found is expectation changes. As you, as you know, as you meet expectation, expectation increases. Yeah, that is very much So you sort of case. set yourself up for failure at some point in the future. Absolutely. And, and, and equally additional spend and more spend. And, and that's the end of this cycle of IT costing you a fortune. <laughs> that is very much the case. And I suppose the other thing, I guess, IT is expensive or can be expensive, but that now has to sit, particularly in your world, alongside opening a new store or some sort of other investment. Uh, how do you go about looking, thinking about that process? For me, it's it's not difficult. I think it's more convincing others that that's, that's the reality. You know, 
we go and we look um, every year at our capex budget. We're quite we're very tight on what we spend. We want to make sure that we're making cash positive through the year. So um, capex has got to be below profit, um, uh, below EBITDA. Sorry, um, every year. So we want to make sure that that's that's what's happening, and we will always have a discussion. It's never it's never an argument. Everyone's pretty realistic about what we need to do. But you've got the amount that. Econ want to spend on fun projects that look lovely. And of course, retail <laughs> yep. want to spend on new stores that also look lovely. And then there's me in the corner going, mm, we no. need to upgrade the system. That's more, that's more important. And everyone's going, oh, no, it doesn't look fun and shiny. And I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. But if you don't do it, we're going to end up in a problem again. You're going to back where you started in the next year's time. Exactly yeah. that. And, um, and also these conversations around, you know, oh, well, actually, we're not using the system enough and we should be doing more on that system. Yes, well, yes. That will also cost money. So, you know, is there an extra functionality? Yes, there is. But we haven't bought that functionality because we just upgraded the what we had because um, that was the burning platform, you know. So, yeah, I mean, there's endless amounts of money you can spend and it is tricky. And it's trying to find the balance between, you know, we've just opened a new store in Cheltenham, yeah. which is absolutely beautiful and doing really, really well. That's so vital for us. We don't open stores. We don't throw them up on every high street. That's not who we are as a brand. It takes a long time and a lot of discussion and a a few ROI projects mm -hmm. to make sure that we're opening in the right place and doing the right thing. Um, and then, and then we go for it and we, and we're really happy about it. So everything is very, very considered. Um, but it is, it is sometimes a bit tricky to convince people that actually maybe this lovely piece of e-commerce work isn't as vital as this piece of system work that can be, you it's know, contentious. as I'm sure every IT person in the world watching this will go, that um, sometimes it's about doing the less, sec less sexy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole layer of less sexy stuff in IT, and it's you know things like security, which are yep. which are really come to the fore when there's a headline in the Daily Mail and you've released customer details, that sort of thing. So it's about <laughs> that no one thinks about no, until, that until that point, and and the, and the risk for the directors themselves being held responsible. It's those sort of projects that mm. unfortunately or fortunately need doing. Um, and and that can absorb vast amounts of your budget overall. Yes, absolutely. But yeah. it's so vital at yeah. the moment. You know, security is is so vital on what we do, whether it's, you know, we all worry about making sure we've got our cash in a safe in the store. But actually, there's not really that much cash in a safe. But the bank, data. Yeah, yeah, you know, quite. customer data or bank accounts and all the rest of it is is vital. We, but we're very aware of that as a as a brand, and we do make sure that all of that is covered. But yeah, I mean the 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 acres of things that you could spend money on in IT is is endless. It is, and I think you know we're, we're a software vendor now as well, and and software pricing. Oh, careful what you say now. Software <laughs> pricing is is kind of made up. So so you know you can spend a thousand pounds or yeah. ten thousand pounds or ten million pounds or a hundred million pounds and, and more or less you're often buying pretty much the same thing so i guess as a, as a you know mid-sized retailer that makes it very hard yeah i mean there's always a tipping point isn't there before you spend not enough and therefore what you've bought is sort of rubbish yeah. and they're not usable um and then you spend too much and actually what you're getting is is no amount of benefit and you know it's a very thin line and, and i can't honestly say that we always get it right you know but we don't always get it wrong and i think that's probably the case for everybody yeah. you know you've seen retailers spend big retailers and you hear all the big stories they spent tens of millions of pounds on a system that just doesn't work and more than not wasted yeah absolutely and yeah. well we don't we don't spend that money obviously but we're also very careful about what we are spending i think sometimes we're a bit too cautious sometimes maybe we are but that's that, that's also on me because i'm i'm okay. that person saying oh, yeah. <laughs> i am the voice <laughs> cool so um it part of your remit forever or is it just a, a fleeting exercise 
well, it's been there for the last three and a half years, so mm-hmm. probably not that fleeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's quite fun. I do quite like it. I mean, you know, I'm not a techie techie by any stretch of the imagination, but actually uh, the, the more I do it and the more CIOs and that I meet, not all of them are necessarily techie techie. It's more no, about no, the no. strategy yeah, of, of where you need to roadmap yeah. the IT function. So, yeah, as you said, I think I've said before, there are, there are you know, there are those IT functions and IT you know people that are very much about the security and the making, making sure that mm. the infrastructure works, and that's vital. But equally, the, the the modern IT CIO is about you know understanding how a business functions and, and adding value across the piece. Yeah. So I guess I guess I think I've definitely quoted before, but yeah, IT and finance are probably the only two functions that sit across the piece understand the business workings end to end yeah i think that's probably that's probably true actually i mean other areas sort of you are not in not in any bad way but you do end up being a little bit like i look at this piece and then that that's where it stops whereas you can't do that it's not possible to do that when you do sort of the the back office operations because it's the back office for everybody yeah we do some implementation work i mean you're the user of our one of our solutions yeah absolutely Um, but when (laughs) when we implement it um yeah we, we spend more and more time doing the upfront analysis piece and it's about um plotting um how things work so process analysis but primarily the exercise is about getting people together and breaking down some of those barriers you just talked about so the biggest exercise of sort of self-realization in the function is when you get them in a room and say this is what you do and then there's a sort of why do we do that but you do that as well there's a a self self-realization of of some of the issues with general process absolutely when we did we're looking at some some data warehousing work at the moment and um we did this piece of work uh, with a company who came in and we've got everybody from the different areas so all the directors and then their key people who actually do the do um and everybody came in and we mapped out all the things everyone's doing the volume of excel work and the amount oh, of yeah. work that you're, the right. information that you're pulling out and then putting into Excel to turn into something else that you put back and and it was just we could have a whole whole chapter on oh, Excel usage. Go, let's not let's yeah. not. It'll go on forever. Um, but it was really interesting actually, and in the sheer the reliance that people have, and and also quite simply the resistance to change that people have as well. Yep. Um, so people go, I want I want something better. I want it to be different. You go, okay, well here's a piece you can do. Oh, that's not the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'd say that people at LK Bennett are actually much more open to change. I think given the last few years and the, the fact that the company, the people who are here in this company are a lot of them are still the people that were there in the old company. Yeah. So and they you can imagine in the last four and a half years the sheer amount of change from from everything. <coughs> so they're a lot more open to change than than people at other companies I've seen. But even then, trying to convince people to let go of their Excel spreadsheets because that's where they feel safe and they know it works and move to a different system where they can't see the back end of it. You know, because in Excel, you can see what you're picking up and you can see the calculations and you can find where the number is and make sure that that number is correct and check it 50 times. Whereas often if you're doing it through a system and you've got like, you know, a a flash on your phone. Yeah, blind trust has to occur. Yeah, you've got to trust it. And I think there is people do worry because they can't check it all to to the back end. Yeah, no, we do we do some change management too, and it's you can't you need to bring people along the journey. It's very you can't force change upon people because no. you say that they will fear it naturally. But equally, there are characters that embrace that change, and there are those that will you know be reticent for the whole process. Um, back in the Debenhams days, many many years ago, we did an exercise with kind of putting the first user facing kiosks into a store. And you, know, you, you would have thought the youth would be embracing and the old people would be very um, wary. But I remember using the store CCTV cameras to, to watch people using it. And, and, and it wasn't the case. It was just you know, some little lady would come and do no problem at all. And some you know, youth would 
stand back and so it, you you have to judge people as individuals and sort of bring them on the journey I guess is my, my message there yeah which is which is what we've been doing so today we're having a playback from from that first sort of meeting and I'm making sure everyone that's going to be doing it is, is drug come from the beginning so that so that when we do if if and when we decide that that's something we want to do um they'll have known it from the beginning and been yeah. involved um and I completely agree with you because if you just suddenly turn around and go we're doing this one goes, no, don't want yeah, to do it's, that. It's, it's edu- I think we, we quote education rather than training. It's about yeah. the why as much as the how. Um, and same for stock accuracy. We do some work with some retailers around stock accuracy in stores. And, and you can tell them and name and shame them. But actually, if they understand why it needs to be accurate, and yeah. the fact that it'll sell more, yeah, yeah, they're you'll, more, you'll more sell more and get more commission. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. We do, the, we do something similar. You know, we've got... Um, around stock accuracy and we've we've linked systems that you know part of the project that we did last year is linking the systems and making sure yeah. everything's reading from the same hymn sheet so to speak and and that's been really important and it's it's a work in progress because as soon as you've done one thing like you said you know there's something else will yeah. go wrong and one of the wonderful Ooh. things about it is you go oh this bit's broken oh now i see that this bit's also broken and then actually this bit doesn't work that well and on and on it goes okay, so, so you're relatively new to it in retail mm-hmm. and obviously i've been doing it for a number of years <laughs> Is it all the same thing over and over again? Why, why are we still talking about we need to have a view of our stock and we need to have a view of our sales and we need to have a view of our product and customers? Mm-hmm. The very basics of what you know retail should be. But I think, I don't, I don't think, it is, well, it's the same thing, but in a different format, if that makes sense. So what you said before, as soon as you hit here, you want here. Expectation, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, previously it might have been, we need to get stock accuracy within, I don't know, 95%. Well, you hit that, right, well, that's not good enough. Now we want 97%, now we want 98 now we want 99 Now we want to make sure that there's only ever three units out. And and I think that constant want to do better yeah. is, is no bad thing. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I do, I, and it, but it is, it's in one way it is the same thing, but in another way it's it's because you did you did that really well, so now we need to do better. Maybe I'm just jaded or hot. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it just does, Ask me again in 10 years, we'll yeah, see what it yeah. says. It just does feel like, it, it, it's good in a way, but the sales pitch we make often is about, you know, you need a single view of your stock. Well, you know, of course you do. We try to sell the stuff. It's, it's not rocket science at the end of the day. It really should be some of the basics we have in place. Well, but, but the other thing as well is that this system <clears throat> that I'm just complaining about that we've upgraded, yeah. you know, when they put it in, when the system when the system was originally put in 13 years ago, it was top notch. Mm-hmm. But people don't keep on top, as we've just discussed, people don't keep the spend on IT. They go, we need to do a big project. The project works. Okay, we'll leave it now. So another thing you might do is you might go, right, we're going to replace the company's entire swathe of laptops. And everyone goes, wow, shiny new laptops. Three years later, somebody will go, these laptops aren't really working. We need yeah, new laptops. Last and someone goes, no, you've had, you've only just, we've there's only just some, spent this money. Someone is the, it's generally the finance person, isn't it? Yep, it's me, 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, um, but it is one of those moments where people go, because, you know, We've had them for three years. They're not working very well because you use them all day, every day, and you're sort of smashing them to pieces. Yeah. And then people, but then there's people like me going, "But we've just done this, and I haven't got in my budget another whatever it is, hundred grand, two hundred grand to replace yeah, yeah, everyone's you, laptops." You can absolutely see how you get that thirteen years down the road and, and, and need that big spend again. Absolutely. And is there a way to avoid that? To fix that, apart from the obvious of putting something in the budget every year. That that is how you fix it. But it's, it all, but it's always overtaken by other priorities. Not nine times out of ten. I think that's where you have to have both your IT director and your finance director in line to understand that. Whoops. Understand that you, right. that you can't that you can't take that out of the budget. You yeah. know, one of I mean, being both of them is a lot easier because I'm in line with myself. Is although it? I do have internal arguments, obviously. Um, but when you know, if we did go to the point where actually that bit is allocated for the fact that we do need to keep on top of the upgrades on various bits of system, um, and somebody will say, "But here's a shiny thing," and I go, "It's lovely. You can't have the shiny thing." And the, uh, be the grumpy person in the corner, Martin. That's what you need to be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's heckling from the sidelines. I'm not. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so, um, 
What next? 12 months ahead. What next for IT and what next for LK Bennett? Um, oh, big question. Mm. For an LK Bennett perspective at the moment, we're looking to branch back out towards the US okay. uh, in a dropship model. So that's that's what we're working on at the moment. Hopefully for autumn, winter 23 this year, that will start. That's really exciting for us. That's been a load of IT work that we've been doing, of yeah, course. Cool. So yeah. integrations. One view of stock, uh-huh. all the same thing again, just somewhere else. Mm. Um, so that's that's a really big piece for us. Uh, and then the main thing from an IT perspective is, okay, we did the upgrade. Now what can we get out of the system? And that's the bit we need to do now. So there's little bits around the edges that we need to tidy up, make sure that we're fixing those pieces. And as we go through the, you know, right, it's working now, we've noticed actually this bit needs to be linked in a better way or that bit works, but does it work well enough? Or as I said, the analytics tool, it's there, but people know what to do for the things they already know how to do, but what more can we get from the system? So I think it's about a case of, I think when people go, we've done a big IT project, new system or whatever, they go, it's done, walk away. But actually, I'm really trying to make sure that's not the case. So let's spend the money on improving that system. Let's spend the money on educating people on that system. Until you get some ROI. (laughs) Get some ROI. Because because it is those little bits, those little bits of extra spend that, that generate more in the end. Once you've done the big piece, if you do spend... I don't know, £20,000 making sure that this system, this separate system absolutely matches this system, that will that will reap dividends in the future. Cool. Um, and then the logical progression of that is what about the state of retail generally in 12 months? I mean, I've, my observations, you've obviously seen that, that you know, the, 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 the larger organisations trying to be marketplaces, M&S doing their thing, Next doing their thing, buying brands up, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Where, where, does, where does LK Bennett fit in that new world or that potential new world? Well, we're, we're joining in those marketplaces. So we've just, you know, we've got Next Platform Plus, which is exactly that, their dropship. Um, we've just done John Lewis dropship. We're, we'll have a look at what else is out there. Yeah. We, we're always open to new and exciting opportunities in those places. Uh, we're not going to become one of those people, obviously, in that we are a small independent brand. Um, but we are, I mean, I think in 12 months, everyone will have calmed down a little bit. Yeah, and the world so. will be hopefully a bit of a, warmer happier place excellent that's Look a good me mm. <laughs> um but but really i mean if you think about how the last six to eight months have been it's been very tricky for everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely um started obviously as we know back in september october time and then with interest rates and gas prices but everything seems to be leveling out now and it's and it won't go back to where it was with naught percent bank england rates but it will calm down and everything will level off and people will find their new normal as they do post-COVID. We all found a new normal. Everyone's like, oh, we'll never go back. Yeah. E-coms are the only thing. No one will ever open stores again. And and actually, we've sort of flipped back to being 50-50 again. And everybody, you know, all these um, digital-only brands are really suffering now <coughs> because people do want to go back to shops and they want to find life, but they don't want to go back in the same way they did. No one, I don't know anybody who works full-time in London anymore. Well, I thought, yeah, picking up on the COVID thing, what, what have you done as an organisation in terms of getting people back into the office? Because... You know, if we don't mandate it for anybody to come back in, um, I know you work in a sort of fairly flexible way, but yeah. that presumably that must reduce traffic in the stores in central locations. Have you seen no change yeah. in that? No, no, no. I mean, absolutely it does. The, the, the traffic's moved is what I would say. Yeah. So sort of your more local high street areas, uh, even in London, so like the Sloan Square area, uh, people still obviously surge to Oxford Street, Regent Street. That's pretty That's pretty standard. It's more, a bit more touristy anyway. Um, you know, Hampstead is a good place to be or, or our Harrogate store. People are a lot more in in their more local areas of London yeah. and areas, you know, like Canary Wharf and St Pancras have seen a big shift away where yeah. there used to be hordes of people. But but as I say, people are going to the office. I don't know anyone who works five days a week from home. No. They're just not going every day. 
we're not an everyday shopping brand. We're not a, you know, H&M go in and grab stuff because because you're walking past it. People mm. will go because they want to go to LK Bennett. So if they're in the office two days a week, they'll go, I need to go to LK Bennett on Thursday because I'm in the office on Thursday. So they're still going. Is the footfall probably has, has definitely dropped, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily transpire in Impact the same way yeah. for, for us. Has that affected the way or the decision-making process about where you would open new stores? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what's the target now? Um, so areas, areas like Cheltenham where it's a bit more of a sort of a, a, a local feel yeah. on the on the high street. Um, but it's a, you know, it's got to be a particularly relatively wealthier area. Um, and we need to, and it, for us, it's also just about the placement. So even on the same street, you might go, well, I don't want to be placed there. It has to be over here. Our um, COO, uh, Claudia, who does our retail, is, is very, very particular about where she opens stores, which mm -hmm. is why that she opens so few, but does them so well. Yeah, excellent. And I think while we're on just general retail stuff, the, the only other question I've got springs to mind is, is about return rates. Oh. Yeah, because you see, obviously, you know, brands starting to think about charging, you know, high return rates for women's hair particularly, but, you know, across the board. How is that a sustainable model? It's uh, Returns are really tricky. Mm. They are really tricky. And we, yeah. Will you end up charging for them? We do charge for sale product returns. Right, okay. So if you buy a sale product, then we do charge for returns. Yeah. Uh, we don't charge on full price. Well, we don't charge over a certain value yeah. on full price. Will um, we? Uh, I don't know, is the yeah, honest answer to that. Yeah, because I mean, there's part of you that wants to go from an, from, you know, from an environmental perspective. People constantly buying and shipped to and from um, is, is not good for your environment. Um, we are working really hard on our sustainability. We've just got um, awarded the Butterfly Mark, um, which is which the teams have all worked really, really hard excellent. on gaining. Yeah, yeah no, it's fan absolutely fantastic. It really is. Um, we work really hard on, on you know, trying to be um, as, as eco. We, we're working on it. We're working on it, as yeah. everybody is. But we're working hard on it. Um, and it's expensive as well. You know, you're sending these goods in and out and um, they've got to be picked and packed and cleaned and put away yeah. in the warehouse. Well, absolutely. The flip side of that is, again, the Harvard Nichols experience. The higher you get up the, the, the brand chain, the food chain, if you like, the, the value point, you know, you've got fewer, fewer clothes, fewer items that are out of circulation for potentially a long time with a high propensity to come back into yeah. the business. And, you know, you're going to hit a, a, hit a sale even sooner as retail continually shoots itself in the foot with the tails starting earlier and earlier. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and it becomes... Yeah, a disposal operation and therefore loss making and therefore a real challenge. Yeah, no, I mean, and I completely agree with you on that. But, you know, we do try and make it as easy for our customers. They can bring it back to store or, you know, we try and make it as easy as possible for people to return. And also, if you bring it back to a store, we can put it back out again, can't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think returns is one of those. It's a really tricky thing. It's also it's also difficult from a customer perspective because there is a simple fact, this Amazon idea of if you look at something and it's £35 plus £5 postage, people go, well, I'm not buying that. But if it's forty pounds with free postage, everyone goes, "Oh, it's free postage! I'll yeah, buy it, lovely." Yeah. And and the simple fact is, it's cost you the same amount of money. It's just that people have included it in their price. It, but returns, you can't do that because you've already sold it. Yeah. So you have to figure out how to do that. Uh, it's it's the precedence that Amazon have set, isn't it? We, we mentioned yeah. Amazon. It's the, it's the whole you know the, the obsession with making returns easy, with 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 you know dropping it off here, there, and everywhere, and it being instantly returned and credited to your account. Yeah, that, that, again, back to the, the change of expectation. And we've set that expectation with the consumer base that makes it hard. Yeah. We, we do try and make it as easy as possible. We have a portal now. You can pick whichever carrier you want to send it back with, et cetera. But um, I, I think it's really difficult to charge for returns. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> I think you have to do, I think you have to go about it a different way. So, you know, you can do things like, can you monitor exactly, are the same three people returning hundreds of items in a year or something around that? You know, there could be, it could be, 
you can look at it a different way, I think, than just charging, flat charging for returns. Uh, any way or any systems way or any, uh, you know, clever way of stopping people buying multiple things in the first place? Well, get your sizing right in the first place. I think there's a really big thing around getting your sizing right, making sure that your sizing is consistent. So it's less about I am definitely a size 10 or but I'm always a size 10 at LK Bennett, if that makes sense. So yeah. it's it's making sure your sizing is consistent and then people don't feel the need to buy two or three because if you've got customers who've bought from you before, they That's know the their sizing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the theory. I, I mean, sizing across brands is, all, it, again, as a, as, a, as a bloke, it always confuses me. It's like... Why can't a size ten be a size ten, but or a size? Yeah, yeah it's 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 a strange world. I completely agree with you, and it's not just it's not just as a man. I completely agree with you. I can go into one store and be a size ten, and another store and be a size sixteen, and or I'm buying, or I'm buying I a slim fit because that's you know that's making me feel good. But really, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. But you can't, you know, I haven't changed size from walking from one no. store to another store, but it depends on the brand. But that I think that's why uh, women, especially, they know the brands they like, they know the size they are at that brand. So you've got to keep that consistent. One of the problems with somewhere like we just talked earlier about next buying all the different brands and yep. selling it online, they must have a higher returns rate because those brands do not have consistent sizing next itself. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I've bought different items from next yeah. and I'll buy a size 10 or size 12, whatever across the board. And half of them are too small or half of them are too big. And that's really frustrating as a consumer yeah. to have that. Um, and especially when they're sending from different brands, you're definitely going to end up with that sort of varied yeah there's got uh, yeah I, there's got to be a role for consistency somewhere but I, if you set off with a blank sheet of paper easy peasy but bringing everybody together to agree on the thing will be a nightmare cool um that's the end of my questions anything you want to add to the to the pod anything you want to ask about technology oh what do you think is the future for no. it and retail in the next 12 months yeah I, I do i do think i do worry and i think um uh multiple points big ERP type spend, I think, is difficult um, for all the reasons we just talked about. The fact that retail is becoming more, you know, more agile. We have to mm. be more flexible with the changing consumer uh, expectation. Um, and you've, I've seen over the years so many failed projects of multiple millions of pounds that they're too big, too scary, take too long. So there has to be a, a different approach, which is what kind of what we do. Adding, you know, modules that can be deployed quite quickly, but equally are guardians of the basic levels of data we just talked about yeah. product stocks customer um, and allowing or acknowledging the fact that chaos reigns outside of that so the consumer will always dictate you know what app has been used today versus what app is going to be used tomorrow and, and retailers need to adapt and, and chase that next shiny thing just to just to keep existing so that's that's one world on technology terms i kind of worry about this this as a provider of these services i worry about this amalgamation of brands you know next yeah. market spencers and the fact that um you know, there'll be there'll be a number of super brands potentially at one point, and and what happens at that point? Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's always interesting equally to see successful brands like yourself thriving. Uh, and the only question I can't answer is what happens? In the, what does the high street look like in ten years' time? And, and that's a difficult one. I can't can't get my head around. I don't think anybody has that answer. As we'd be doing it now, wouldn't we? Yeah. Really, it's got to, it's got to keep existing. And I know we've we've talked about it morphing into more of an experiential type thing, and that and the, and there are more coffee shops and all the rest of it. But shops can't not exist. Therefore, we have to find a way of you know commercially allowing that to happen. I agree. It's really the the high street question which people have been discussing for yeah, ever yeah, yeah. is is a is a really difficult one I, I honestly couldn't couldn't tell you it's but it, i tell you it is depressing when you go to your local town and everything's gone that's that's really sad to see yeah um i think there is a real this is this is not really about tech but i think there's a real question around business rates there has to be some serious movement on that 
and around the the That's way been said for a long time though and i agree with you but but the, it's not happening is it no well it's the way it's how you tax how you tax sales is is the is the conversation we don't tax sales we tax presence presence yeah. um america did it a few years ago switching from from physical presence to economic presence and if you sell over a certain amount you've got to pay pay taxes it caused a big for all but actually in my opinion a much more sensible more way logical. of doing it yeah absolutely but how do you you know then you've got this whole people just disappear offshore how do you actually manage that you know um and how do you get it to the to the to the right councils because one of the things about business rates is you know an area a uh, council will collect those business rates for their local area well if you've got an Amazon, let's just take pick Amazon. It doesn't have a local area; just exists mm. in the abyss. And how do you therefore share that out equally and fairly across it? Which is, of course, the never-ending question. But yeah, yeah. business rates eventually will have call, to change. It just has to change yeah. because the 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 way that they are structured now makes no sense. Which has nothing to do with tech, but it's definitely about the future of retail. Because yeah, obviously the two you, are obviously linked. Yep. Until you can encourage people back onto the high street, um, then you can't change anything. Perfect. That sounds like a reasonable note to end upon. <laughs> what a cheerful way to yeah, well, no, but I think I th I took What I took there is that the high street will continue and your brands will thrive, but there are some challenges ahead. So There are some challenges that we need but, bigger bigger pictures from from bigger sources like, like the government to actually do something about. But Perfect. We'll see Great. if they do. Heather, thanks very much. Thank much appreciated. Much. And I uh, hope all goes well for the next 12 months. Yes, very exciting. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah.